Hi there, and welcome to episode 10 of the Smart English Coach podcast, the podcast which helps you get to advanced English level fast with strategies, mindset, and shortcuts for fluent and confident English speaking. In this episode, how can you improve your English listening? For so many people, listening to fast conversations is really difficult, even at advanced level. So, coming up, I'm interviewing a listening expert who can give you some great advice. Cara Leopold is an online English listening skills coach and movie fan. Welcome, Cara. Thank you. It's very nice to be here. So, Cara, I often think that listening is the missing piece in the English puzzle. We talk a lot about the importance of speaking and fluency, but very often it's listening that causes problems. So why do you think listening is so difficult, even at advanced level? Yeah, that's a really good question, because, you know, for people who have an advanced level, they might notice that they still find it hard to catch some very basic words when people speak fast. And that's actually completely normal, which sounds strange, but it is the case. So, yeah, it's a hard skill to develop. It's interesting you talk about even the simple words can be difficult to understand. Is that because of fast speech or perhaps because we swallow the words? Yeah, that's usually what's going on is these words are changing in the stream of speech. And also, if a word is very common, you know, we don't make a particular effort to pronounce it, if you see what I mean. I mean, some words, often the smallest words, so here I'm thinking of things like articles or prepositions, other words that have a grammatical function these are the words that tend to get reduced the most when we speak fast although any word can be reduced actually that's not necessarily what you get told we get told that like only the grammatical words change and then the content words don't change they don't change as much but they can change so even they have their fast pronunciation but they tend to be a bit more prominent anyway but anything grammatical can change a lot and have a lot of different variations so I once read there was an estimate for the word and so that might sound like a very straightforward word probably one of the first words that you learned in English and and that can have like up to 80 different variations and I literally just said one of the variations when I was saying it in my sentence so I mean that's a word that can have the the d sound chopped off of it the the vowel at the beginning chopped off. It's often just reduced to mm. I don't know how I don't know how somebody got to 80 variations. I'd have to see what that actually looks like. But yeah, just to give you an example. So those are the words actually that, that, that are going to take the longest time to acquire. You can imagine, you know, over time trying to catch and get used to those 80 different variations of one small word. And also things like uh, negatives. Mm. You don't hear, for example, must and then mustn't that unt, the negative is mm. so tiny you can barely hear it. it yeah and it can cause you know obviously then problems with interpreting the meaning because we don't know if we've heard an affirmative sentence or a negative sentence so it can can cause problems for sure so what sort of situations is it particularly difficult to understand what you're hearing then? Oh, that's a good question. Well, yeah, because like spoken English is not one thing, is it? I mean, there's lots of different types of spoken English. There is 
conversation where people are having, you know, a two-way or multiple-way dialogue, which is quite different to, you know, the spoken English of a speech or a talk or a presentation or things like this. I think as a rule, probably it's easier to understand a presentation or a TED talk or something like this, where someone is just monologuing and their speech is probably a bit more careful than it would be in something spontaneous. I mean, that's another axe. There's the formality, informality, and also the spontaneity. So, you know, if somebody is giving a talk or a presentation or a speech, well, it's not spontaneous, is it? It's like pre-planned. So that's been practiced and rehearsed. Yeah. That's not really the type of spoken language that most of us engage with every day because most of the time we're listening to or we're talking to each other. Probably the situation that a lot of people find difficult is just that everyday spontaneous speech where it's unscripted and it has a less a less clear and coherent structure than a presentation. And obviously it doesn't have, you know, a slideshow to go with it. Yeah. But, you know, these these sorts of things can help because you could argue that, you know, if you're watching TV or you're watching a talk with a, with a presentation, you've got that visual information. But also when you're just talking to somebody, they're also giving you visual information if you're lucky enough to be face to face. That makes a phone conversation an even more difficult situation because Absolutely. you can't see the person and they can't see you. So obviously that makes it even even harder because you've, you've not got that visual uh, communication that can sometimes make up for issues to to do with you know um, not understanding or being misunderstood but even in um, face-to-face conversations so conversations aren't direct you know often people say okay think of conversation as a tennis match you know one person Mm. serves the other person answers and but conversations aren't like that are they no I would say it's a lot more disorganized than that and I'm sure a lot of us have been in what we thought was a conversation was just the other person monologuing which uh you know yes (laughs) happens as well not everybody is good at conversation some people monopolize it some people don't ask questions or you know really listen to the other person so yeah I find it amazing the number of self-help articles written um, even for native speakers saying become an active listener because we're not Mm. good at listening Uh, no no I think it is a real skill not many people are good at it most people are just kind of like planning what they're going to say instead of really listening I think that's even worse though when you're learning a language because sometimes you're so self-focused on what you're going to say I actually think there's a lot of value in maybe talking a bit less and listening more especially when it's not your first language because if, if you do really tune in and listen you'll sort of notice things and you'll pick things up and you can just take the pressure off yourself that way which I think is really good as well and you know the other person will think you're a great conversationalist because you just listen to them Absolutely. so you actually don't have to say anything to be considered a really good communicator you just have to make it look like you're listening um, and obviously it's in your interest to listen if you know you've got somebody who wants to talk or if you're in a group as well I think that's a really good situation where you can kind of get away with not talking so much because there's less expectation on you I think especially if you're not the native speaker probably people will just think oh fair enough (laughs) if they're not talking like you know so there's a really good opportunities to actually listen that's true and that's a really good tip actually is to you know be involved in in group discussions where you can sort of sit back a little bit as you say that you know the pressure is is less but then there are also other problems. Um, a student was telling me, he was saying one of his big problems was understanding groups of speakers. And he mm. gave the example 
of being in a group where there are lots of people telling jokes, giving anecdotes, that sort of thing. Mm. But um, he was specifically talking about being in a restaurant and not being able to understand. And I said, is that because the restaurant was quite noisy? He said, oh, Mm. yeah, it was a really noisy place. You're putting yourself into a lot more difficult situation when you've got people talking, people interrupting each other. It's quite noisy anyway. So you've got the background noise of the restaurant. Mm. Yeah, for that sort of situation, I think it's it's normal and you just have to go a bit easier on yourself. So what sort of activities do you think students could do? I mean, especially at upper intermediate advanced level to develop their listening skills. Um, well, what you can do at that stage is try not to use the sort of course book type material so much. Because at that stage, you can probably start even using material that is for native speakers if you see what I mean, like podcasts that are for native speakers, not for learners, for instance. And what you can start doing is, yeah, instead of just listening to the material, because this is sort of the mistake most people make, is you can actually sort of start using it to get feedback. You're quite lucky, actually, if you're at the upper intermediate and beyond level, because you've learned like the most important grammar, because obviously if somebody has a low level and they can't understand things, Well, that could just be because they've got a lack of vocabulary and grammar. You're not going to criticise somebody for not understanding a grammatical structure that they've never learned. Like, obviously, they're not going to know what it is. So that's a different problem. So once you're at the higher level, you know that it's probably not your lack of vocabulary or grammar. This is where you need to get a bit more curious about what you're listening to. So what you can start doing is kind of listening to short sections and writing them out and then actually checking your work. And that can be a lot more useful than kind of just listening to a lot of material and never like knowing what you missed or understanding why you missed it. So you can start kind of self-assessing. So how would that work then? You would listen to, say, part of a, a podcast you mentioned and just listen to a few seconds or, you know, 20, 30 seconds. Yeah, well, I mean, you could. Yeah, exactly. You can take something that you've already listened to and then you might want to go back to some sections that you found difficult. Mm. And yeah, that's where you could you would start working with short sections and writing them out. But they really do need to be short. Like some people are like just write out a minute of speech. That will take hours. Don't do yeah. that. And that would give you really good training in not just listening for those grammar words, which tend to get sort of swallowed up in fast speech, mm. but would also give you training in how that person is speaking. Because a lot of people tell me that often it's difficult to understand other people's accents so mm. it would give you, you know, practice in different accents as well, I imagine. Um, yeah, probably, depending on, you know, what you choose to listen to. I can actually give you a link to a resource where you can listen to lots of different accents. But often, like, people sort of focus a lot on accent. I mean, sometimes between different accents, there's not actually that much of a difference. It's maybe going to be on certain vowels or certain key sounds, like an R sound. But the rest is actually the issues of connected speech. So in every accent, everybody is going to chop the D off and or, you know, do all these weird things that they do when they speak fast. And I think that's more of an issue than like somebody's accent. You can get used to an accent quite quickly. Are there other sorts of activities that students can do to improve their listening? Yeah, that's the main one that I like. I think also like at that stage, you can start pushing yourself to listen to material that's not designed for English learners but material that's actually designed for native speakers right something that I suggested to my student who was having difficulty 
understanding anecdotes in restaurants, I suggested that he go and look at some stand-up comedy um, because it's you can easily find it on the internet. And although it's kind of scripted, it's quite fast and it's telling a story. Obviously, jokes are, are stories. Was that good advice or do you think that's too hard? No, I think that's the sort of thing you need to be challenging yourself with at that level. I think the, the thing there is that it's going to be informal, so there will be informal pronunciations of words. So, no, I think that's a the right type of material to start using, kind of, you know, little by little. Like, yeah, maybe not listening to like a one-hour comedy set, but just like a shorter, like you say, anecdote within that and trying to understand it and follow it and look at the structure because actually stand-up comedy is very structured yeah but it's made to look not structured if you see what I mean yeah it's made to look conversational but of course people have written out their jokes and you know there's something which is a bit slower afterwards because then people will be laughing so they are very very uh structured as you say but also because I deliver quite fast normally yeah, that would be the more challenging part, fast and kind of, yeah, informally and maybe with some unknown language because there might be some slang and things like that. But then that's also where it's interesting to have the transcript um, and that way you can like go back and check and maybe ask someone for some explanations if you're still not sure. And coming round then to the subject of movies, how useful are movies for improving your listening skills? Well, I think if you like watching them, they're useful. I think this is a, just a more general point that anything you like, you know, listening to or watching is going to be useful to you because you're going to watch it or listen to it. Yeah. If you don't like watching movies, then don't like don't don't bother because um, they are they are hard. So I wouldn't like. There's nothing necessarily easier or better about them. I mean, every type of English has its advantages and disadvantages. What I would say more generally is, you know, listen to the thing that you find hard. So obviously your student said he had an issue with anecdotes. So you're telling him to go and listen to them. You're not saying, oh, keep watching TED Talks, which is, would not be good advice. Um, yeah, so it's the right listening tool for the, for the problem. For the, for the actual problem, because, you know, people will say, oh, you know, I have real trouble understanding, you know, native speakers and groups talking fast and you know, and then teachers will say, well, go and listen to the TED Talks or something. And it does, there's a mismatch between the type of spoken English and then the actual person's problem. So, you know, we said that like spoken English is actually quite a vast domain. It's like written English is a big difference between a text message and an academic textbook. I mean, but they're both written, but yeah. they couldn't be more different. And so you have to find out where on the spectrum you need you need the help or what you're struggling with I know some people like to do things like speed speed things up so like we might be tempted to slow things down because there are buttons on like podcast players or audiobook apps and stuff like that where you can slow things down it can actually sometimes be interesting to speed things up and then listen and then try and catch and then go and listen to it at normal speed that sounds pretty challenging though yeah, that's not something I do with my students, but I heard of people doing it quite successfully. Yeah, I suppose. And when when you start playing it at normal speed, it's like, oh, wow, this is easy. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, I think that's also that's also um, what happens when you use things like TV shows and movies that can be quite challenging. So then when you listen to people in real life, it's actually not quite as bad. 
I liked your point about being really intentional about the things that you listen to. You know, you listen to what you need to listen to. Uh, yeah, yeah, which I think would be quite a simple point, but I don't know, people seem to get really hung up on what they should listen to and whether one type of material is better than another. I find it really strange. I don't know why. It's never popular, the stuff that I put out about how to choose the right things for you. People just want lists of what they should listen to, but honestly, I can't tell you. Like, I don't know. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you need. I don't know what your level is. I don't want to know what you like to listen to. I can't just like randomly pull out something I'm watching and tell you that you must absolutely listen to that. How, how do I know if it will help you? Yeah, so a little bit of self-awareness is really important. Yeah, but often like people are just told, oh, just watch this thing that's popular on Netflix. I'm not sure if this is good teaching or not, but I will say to people, you know, if, if you enjoy watching Netflix or films or TV shows, that's great. Because as you say, you know, there's no point watching something that you don't enjoy. But if it's really difficult, why not keep the subtitles on? And perhaps that's not the right thing to say, but... I mean, I would consider myself to be good at listening in Italian and, and pretty fluent also uh, in Italian. But even so, when I watch Italian shows on television, I always have the subtitles on. And it gives me a kind of, a, I suppose, a sense of security. But so I can't then sort of say to people, no, 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 turn off those subtitles. Is that good or is that bad? Am I doing the wrong thing? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think a lot of that type of content is very challenging so probably most people will need the subtitles so there's nothing necessarily wrong with that you just have to have to have a plan for like getting rid of them gradually you could use them some of the time you could use them for the hardest scenes but again also like I mean when you read the subtitles in Italian like do you recognize the words Claire? Uh, No actually I have the subtitles on in English. Ah okay all right that gives us even less information because then yeah. I don't know what it is that you're not understanding, if you see what I mean, which is the whole point of doing exercises that actually get you to kind of test yourself and be like, okay, or am I not understanding this because there's like new words? And that's often not the case. Like, so if like, if you had the subtitles on in Italian, then, and if you were reading them and if you're like, I actually know these words, but my problem is I don't recognize the fast pronunciation. Well, that gives us more information than, I don't know, if you were watching it and you're like, oh God, I don't know half these words or like I haven't learned the subjunctive yet or whatever. Like yeah. then that's a different problem. So you see what I mean? So yes. we, also, we also need to, we need to treat it as a source of information about what our problem might be. That's a really good point. And I think also watching a film in Italian and reading the subtitles in English is making it worse for myself because my brain has to do even more processing and it is more, in the end, confusing than just saying, okay, I'm not going to read them, definitely not in English and maybe not even in Italian and just see how I get on. I think a lot of the time it's almost a security thing, maybe... I'm so worried that I'm not going to understand it at all, that having that sort of English support makes me feel more confident. Yeah, that could be it. Actually, Yeah, I think it can become a crutch over time if you're not careful, because I know people that get stuck kind of reading them, but like they recognise all the words. Mm. Well, that's a sign that you really need to work on, you know, listening and pronunciation and things like that. 
But I think also, I mean, this is another thing about sort of learning in general. Um, so when I say to people, yeah, if you like films, you know, go and watch Netflix. Um, often people are doing it in the evening after work. They're tired. This is maybe the only time they have um, to dedicate to English. And at that sort of time of the evening, it's kind of easier to have the subtitles on because you just don't have that much energy anymore. No, it's true. It's true. But then, like, I mean, that's why I talk quite a lot about the fact that you can't just watch movies and TV shows like you would in your native language. And also, like, Netflix is not your teacher, you know, like, right. so therefore you can't expect doing that to have a big effect, if you like, on 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 your English. Not that you can't do it, but you have to just combine it with other things. I think that's the issue. I think if if people only watch these shows with subtitles and don't really do anything else just that on its own it's not you know it's not enough especially if you're in a kind of state where you're not really very receptive maybe to what you're you're watching but you know that's also the advantage of movies and tv series is that you know you might notice this if you try watching without the subtitles is that there is a lot of you know visual information and you kind of like miss that if you are just reading the subtitles you might be surprised by how many gaps get filled in by um just watching it like more holistically so like with the audio and the visual information and a lot of gaps get filled in as well if you're watching something like a tv series rather than a movie there's just things that happen show to show week to week that um like, you know, they're going to happen. You're expecting them. You know, the structure of the show, you know, like earlier we talked about anecdotes and then having a structure, you know, if things are predictable, that also makes it easier. There's less work there to do, you know, whereas if you're watching a movie, you're kind of starting from scratch and you're kind of discovering everything. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Cara. There are lots of ideas there for, for people to take away, I think. So tell us a little bit about what you offer as a listening coach then. Um, yeah, sure. So I actually run a movie club for for English learners. So often people who are living in an English speaking country or living in a um, as an expat in the country, a country where they need to use English a lot. And um, yeah, I run a movie club. So we watch and discuss movies together. And that also includes support with, you know, listening comprehension and improving your speaking with movies. And we really take the time to um to watch them we give ourselves a month for each movie so that's very different to how people might be just watching them on their own just kind of like watching it once and then that's it (laughs) so um yeah we really try to like make sure we've we've understood the movie pretty thoroughly and also really take the time to discuss it with one another that's probably the most rewarding part of watching movies is actually having people to, to talk to about them um, and so in, in June, I'm actually doing kind of a, a really small version of this movie club that's going to be free, where we're going to watch a short movie together and then discuss it over a weekend, um, just so people can experience a bit what it's like to watch a movie with other people, watch a movie that they're going to understand thoroughly, because we're going to go into the issues with the dialogue and the fast pronunciation and what's difficult to understand. And with this particular movie, we'll be picking up some British slang, which will be fun. So it's free. It's also very flexible because it will be on a messaging app over the weekend. So you're not going to have to be like glued to your phone for three days. It's going to be something where you can jump in and out. Yeah. So if people want to join that, it's called the Movie Club Weekender. And I think you'll put a link somewhere to that. I will. 
that sounds absolutely ideal because you've got that community element as well. People can chat about the movie and obviously it's going to be excellent for improving your English listening. Thank you very much. I will put the link at the bottom of the show notes. So be sure to go and check that out. Cara, thank you so much for coming along today and sharing your experiences about listening. It was really, really helpful. I hope you enjoyed that and that you've got some ideas to improve your listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review because it helps other people to find the podcast. In the next episode, I've got something a little different for you. How do you understand it when people say one thing, but their words mean something different? We're going to talk literal and hidden meanings. Speak soon.